If you would, take your Bibles to John chapter 15. In John 15, Jesus is giving his followers instructions concerning um, life, really, for them after he's gone. And he uh, explained to them what their relationship with him should look like in the beginning of this chapter when he said that they are to abide in Christ, to, we are to abide in him. He talked about their relationship with each other and how we're to love one another in the church and in the body of Christ. And now, beginning in verse 18, he moves on to our relationship as Christians with, with the world. Really, he's giving them a warning so they won't struggle when they face the hardships and the persecutions that's about to come uh, to them in their life. Because their changed relationship with God and their changed relationship with each other and following Jesus Christ um, would also change their relationship with, with the world. The world, he tells them, will now hate them. And I know that's a difficult thing for us to understand and really to even desire in our life. When we look at our society in the past, Americans historically have been pragmatic and idealistic people. Unfortunately, um, much of the idealism of our world has been lost. And as Americans, we have become mainly pragmatic. This is really seen in the political world. Most of our politicians today don't, they don't do right or vote for what is right simply because it's right. They tend to follow the wind or the direction of their political party or whatever. They do whatever they believe is necessary to get voted back into office or to retain uh, their position or their power. Unfortunately, this idea of pragmatism has crept into the church, and we see in our society a perverted gospel that is being preached. In order to attract people, pastors oftentimes will tone down or even eliminate what they view as the negative or the hard aspects of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'll even avoid passages that they believe might offend uh, people that would come to their congregation. So instead, they will present a man-centered gospel, a promise of this health and wealth, this wonderful life of serving Jesus Christ. And um, preachers, I see in our society, have maybe become salesmen. They... They have become crowd builders because, you know, they look at the crowds that other churches have. They look at the facilities. They look at the money and they think, wow, how amazing that is. And oftentimes um, we're even judged based on the crowds and the facilities and the money that the church has as to what type of job the preacher is, is doing. So in order to get that crowd, they feel like they have to make sure they don't offend people. And unfortunately, that mindset that mindset and that favorable message will be well received, but it is really a distortion of the gospel that of another, and becomes another gospel that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 1 and in verse number 9. But the truth is the gospel message is not man-centered. It's about how our God is willing to deal with and have a relationship with sinful creatures. The gospel is a message of redemption, forgiveness. It's a message of change from death to life, from worldliness to godliness. 
And when this change happens in the life of the believer and we begin to live for Christ and live for God and follow the scriptures, the world, the wicked world around us will have an adverse reaction. Jesus, unlike many preachers in our time, did not leave his disciples uh, with false illusions. He was clear about what he was offering them. He was clear about the consequences of believing on him and following him. And in John chapter 15, he gives us a, a warning about what we might call the negative consequences of being a believer in Christ here in this world. We see that in the church. Unfortunately, we also see the personal struggle that we have in life. You know, for many of us, we can't handle people hating us. In our modern society today, it's all about being liked and accepted. People find their worth or their self-esteem based on the treatment of others instead of their relationship with, with God. The more popular we are, the more we feel good about ourselves. And people oftentimes are willing to disregard or just outright disobey the word of God in order for the popularity or the friendship of men. But Jesus tells us to, to follow him. He tells us to serve him, to preach the gospel, which is going to bring hatred from the world to ourselves. The truth is, if we're not hated for the gospel's sake at some point in our life, there, there is a problem. We should be looking at ourselves and considering if we are living the life that Christ wants us to live. It's amazing to me that Christians today will stand up and fight for just about anything. But when it comes to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't want to offend anybody. In John chapter 15, beginning in verse number 18, Jesus tells us, you are going to be hated by the world. And listen, it's okay. It's okay and should be expected to be hated by the world when we stand for truth. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that you challenge our hearts and our lives today, Lord, and help us to consider our walk with you and our message here in this world today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first thing we see in verse number 18, Jesus tells his disciples as he's preparing them for his departure, he says, the world is going to hate you. And so really, we understand the reality of the hatred that will come from the world. Look at verse 18. He says, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. That word if carries the idea of since. We see this in other passages of scripture like Philippians chapter 2 when Paul says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, these are the, this is true. And so Paul says, really the idea here is, or we can translate it, since, since the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. These are the things that should motivate us to fulfill joy in Philippians chapter 2. If you have these things or since you have these things. And so the same idea is true here in John chapter 15. The world hates you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, especially if you are an outspoken believer of Jesus Christ. And so Christ is telling us, understand the reality. Understand the reality that if you uh, are a believer in Christ, and then he says this, know that it hates you because it first hated me. 
And this should not take us off guard. This should not be strange. But yet, unfortunately, for many, even in the church, we struggle with this idea. And we don't understand why people would hate us and hate everything we should stand for. And then we should not be discouraged over this. And this is what Jesus is, is trying to do. Make sure that they're not discouraged as they are going to serve him and preach the gospel for them. We think about John the Baptist. The world hated John the Baptist because he stood up and preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you call out people's sin, as John did, he preached concerning their sin. People don't like to be told that they're a sinner. And so Jesus tells us the reality of hatred because they hated Jesus. He preached, repent. He called out their sin. We see that in the temple that he called out their sin. And so the religious leaders hated Jesus, and this would carry on to the common people. The reality of the hatred for the Christian from the world uh, must be understood. Peter said this in First Peter chapter 4. I don't want you to miss this. He says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Basically what Peter says is everybody has been given a gift from God for the work of the ministry. Paul says the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4, that you are to do the work of the ministry. So he says, be a good steward of your gift and do the ministry of God. He goes, if any man speak, let him speak of the oracle as of the oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified." Peter is basically telling us, listen, you have been blessed by God to be a part of his ministry. If you're a Christian here today, you have been blessed by God with a gift for the ministry of God, for the glory of God. So do the ministry, but realize when you serve God and when you're doing his ministry, you will be persecuted. And then he goes on to say this, when you're persecuted, you should be joyful over it. He said, you should be happy. You should be excited because you get to be a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. Unfortunately, the tragedy is that we run from suffering. We run from hatred. We run from the consequences of serving God. We would much rather be accepted by the world and have a peaceful existence to, than to suffer with Jesus Christ for the cause of the gospel. And Jesus said, listen, guys, you're going to go out and preach and the world's going to hate you. That is the reality. But you should find joy in suffering for the cause of Christ. What would you suffer for? What would you suffer for? What would you suffer? Well, I'd suffer for God. Listen, if you would suffer for God, you would sacrifice just a moment to share the gospel with somebody at your grocery store. If you would suffer for Christ, you would, you would, uh, if you would suffer for him and find joy in it, if you would sacrifice, excuse me, you would suffer what you, uh, concerning what you post on Facebook. It's amazing. We get into all these social media debates about this and that, and we fight for our causes and yet so often we're quiet about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We see Jesus says the reality is, is you're going to be hated. Then he gives us a list of the reasons for our hatred. Look with me, verse 19. He says there in verse 19, you're going to be hated because you're not of the world. If we, ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Hey, listen, if you blend in with the world and you act like you're the, the world and you're part of the world, guess what? You'll be accepted by the world. But he says the truth is you're not of the world. And when you live like that, then people aren't going to like you. You know how we know that's true? It's kind of how we operate in our society. We kind of pick on people or ridicule people that are, are a little bit different. If you're different, we kind of pick that out. We kind, of, we kind of put you down because of the differences that you have. And that's what they, the world does to us as Christians. If you're because you're not of us, then if you're not of us, then you're against us. He goes on and gives us a second reason. In verse number 20, he says that our identity is in Christ. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. He identifies us with Christ. You are a servant of God, and therefore because they, they ridicule, they persecute your master then they're going to do the same to you that are in Christ. Then in verse 21, he goes on to say, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. The third reason he says is they don't know God. You know, it's funny. We, uh, a lot of times, expect lost people to act like Christians. You know, you see people living a certain way, and it's like, I just, I don't understand why they would do that or why they would live that lifestyle. And the truth is, it's because they don't know God. They don't understand. He, go, he goes a step further and says, listen, not only are they going to live that way, but when you don't live that way, they're going to persecute you because they don't know God. They don't understand righteousness and truth, and they don't understand the word of God. And so they're going to live contrary to it, and they're going to persecute you because they don't know the Father. And then in verses 22 through 24, he says, they're going to persecute you because they don't like conviction of sin. That's just the reality of life. Verse 22, he says, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. And Jesus says, why is this? Because they do not want their sin called out. You know, tell somebody what's wrong in their life and see how quickly they bristle up to you, right? And how offended they get. And so the world hates us because we preach a message that tells them, that tells them that they are sinful. And this is where I struggle. Listen, I, I, I struggle big time with churches that do not preach against sin, all right? Because listen, if you're not preaching against sin, then people don't understand the need of a savior, Hey, listen, if you're not a sinner, then you don't need a savior. But the reality is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So our responsibility as a church, our responsibility as Christians, as the church, is to preach against the sin that is in this world. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with telling people that they're sinners. The truth is, it's not because you hate them, but it's because you love them. But they don't like to be told that they're doing something wrong. That's instilled in our flesh, in our nature. We try to hide our sin and we don't want that called out. So we bristle against when people point out our flaws. 
And that's what the world does. When we preach the truth, when we preach the truth. Hey, and listen, there's a lot of big churches out there that are, are glorifying God. They're preaching the gospel and they're growing and all that type of stuff. But unfortunately, there's a lot of these churches out there that, listen, they're just like, come as you are and please leave as you are. We Listen, there's a, in Alexandria, there's a, there's a town that says, we accept you as you are. And we're happy with you staying like you are. And listen, that is sad for the church to say. We, we want you to come as you are, but we want you to leave saved. We want you to have your sins forgiven and know Jesus Christ. We want you to be a part of the family of God. But unfortunately, listen, the world is going to hate us if we preach the gospel because we're telling people about their sin. And listen, do not believe that you're preaching the gospel if you don't talk about people needing to turn from their sin and repent. All right, listen, you can tell people God loves you and he's just happy with who you are and where you are. And listen, they're going to die in their sins if that's the message that you give them. Because the gospel is that we're all sinners and that Christ died for our sin. And we need a savior. We need to come to him through faith and receive the free gift of salvation to have our sins forgiven. Hey, listen, we don't need to be made part of Grace Baptist Church. Well, we don't need to be accepted by Christians and brought into their circles. We need our sins forgiven. And the world hates that message. And so we see the reasons. Jesus says it's a reality. And basically the reason is you're not a part of the world. You're part of the church. You're part of God's family. And you're preaching against sin so that people understand their need of a Savior. And they're going to hate you. And so number three, then we see the guilt of, of the world. He says, but this come at the past, verse 25, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Jesus is quoting Psalm 35, 19 and Psalm 69, verse 4. And he's telling them, listen, I've done nothing wrong. And in Psalm 35, we see the suffering there is at the hands of those who had forgotten the past good things that had been done for them. And then in Psalm 69, the persecution is coming from those that cannot stand David's zeal for the Lord. And so Jesus himself was persecuted by those that had forgotten and rejected the good things that Jesus had done for them because they could not stand Jesus' zeal for the Father. And so they hated Jesus without a cause other than their own sinfulness. And the world hates us because of their guilt and because of their sinfulness. We remind them when we preach and we remind them when we live for God of their own guiltiness before God. And so they hate us without a cause. They, they say we're hatred and we're hateful and we're bigots and all that when we're really trying to love them and show them the love of God. And so that brings us then to number four, the promise to the believer. Verse 26, he says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. So we see the promise to the believer and this is the promise. The comforter is going to come. The comforter is going to come, and he himself will testify of me, and you will go and testify of me. Listen, God has called us for a specific purpose, a task to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be honest with you. 
You can put church on, the, on any building in the world that you want, but if they're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not a church. They're not a church. They can go through all the religious motions and all the religious activity, but they are not the church if they're not preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and pointing people to Christ and the need for forgiveness of sin. And so he says to them, the comforter is going to come. And we see in the book of Acts, the comforter comes and empowers the church and, and, and the believers to go forth and to testify of Christ. And then in Matthew 18, he says this as he gives them the commission. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And this is what he tells them. Go ye therefore. Same thing he's telling them here in, in John chapter 15. You're going to testify of me. You're going to go and do the work of the ministry. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Hey, listen, it's not just the things that you like. It's not picking and choosing the good points over the bad points, the, the negative versus the positive or the positive versus the negative. Teach them all things. And this is what he tells them. Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, Jesus' promise is that he's going to be with us. And he sent us the comforter to walk with us through this world. The reality is, is if we stand up for Christ, the world's going to hate us. But can I tell you right now, it's okay. That's Okay. Every year I go down to the state house and uh, I, I meet with the different politicians and it's always funny because they, uh, they, they're politicians and it's, politicians at heart, they, they can't help themselves. And uh, I meet with Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and, and it's funny, it, people that I've heard from their own mouth would shut our church down, would shut our Christian school down, would, have, would not have our ministry uh, going forward. And I walk into their office and it's, oh, pa Pastor Stevens, they even remember who I am. Pastor Stevens, oh, I love you and I love your church and I'm so grateful for you and all that thing. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, you're such a liar. Um, <laughs> but, um, but the reality is, is they hate everything that we stand for. And I've heard them say they want Christian schools to close and the church needs to just stay in the church and be quiet and not be in the public square. I've, I've heard their, their, their messaging from those points. And, and, and listen, it's not just the Democrat side or Republican side. And, you know, it goes both ways. And, and they're willing to do whatever they can. They do whatever they can to get the votes and to get the friends and, and all that stuff. Listen, the church can't operate that way. Listen, it's okay if the world hates me. I spend a lot of time in the community and I have a lot of acquaintances and relationships and, 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 I, and I realize who the people that really like me are. They're, they're, I have lost acquaintances, friends in, in society, in the world. And it's funny because I'll have guys that I'll talk with and I'll share the gospel with and as soon as I bring up with the Lord, they kind of bristle up and I don't want to talk about that and then they, they don't want to be around me. I have other guys who they're lost and they're unsaved, but they, 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 you know, they'll listen to me and they'll have a conversation about the Lord and, and they'll be open to hearing it. And, and, and listen, I, I share the gospel with both of them. I, I share the gospel with both of them. And listen, I'll be honest with you. In my flesh, sometimes I share the gospel with the guys I know are going to get upset just to see them get riled up. And um, I know that's sinful. Don't judge me because you do the same thing. 
Listen, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether they're going to like me or not, whether they're going to want to play golf with me or not, whether they want to be a, have lunch with me or not, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't say, well, they're just my friends and I don't want to lose that friendship. Hey, listen, if you're a friend, then you're going to share the gospel. If you truly love them, you're going to tell them about their sinfulness because it's okay if the world hates us. It, that's the reality of life. And I've come to accept that in my life because that's what God has called me to. And as Peter said, I get to rejoice in the fact that I get to be a part of Christ's suffering for the gospel's sake. So Jesus is getting ready to leave and he tells his disciples, you know, my relationship with you has to be number one. You need to abide in me and I in you. In the church, you need to love one another, edify one another, build each other up, encourage each other. Why? Because the world is going to hate you. As you preach and teach and stand for the truth and stand for the gospel, and it's going to be more and more, right? There was a time when in the public square the church was accepted, you could preach the gospel, and, and, and most people were okay with it. Even the ones that didn't want it. You do your thing and just, you know, but, but they'll, they're okay with you. But today it's like you need to be quiet. Everybody else can speak and proclaim and push their agendas except for the church, and persecution is becoming more and more, and it's going to get worse and worse. And that's okay, because we're going to suffer for the glory of Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Hey, we need to, become to the, get to the place where we're okay with the world hating us for the cause of Christ. Now, some of you people hate just because you're obnoxious. That's not what I'm talking about. All right? We need to be okay with the world hating us for the cause of the gospel. And I hope today that you're challenged more and more to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were singing those songs today, and I thought, man, what a fitting message today. In Christ alone. There's no other way of salvation than through Jesus Christ. Almost home. Listen, we don't know when we're going to be in heaven and when we're leaving this world. You don't know when your friends are leaving this world. Hey, listen, we need to preach the gospel despite the reaction from the society around us. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your word this morning through song and, and through here in John chapter 15. And I pray, Lord, that we as Christians would come to the place, Lord, where we would understand, Lord, our responsibility to preach the gospel despite what happens around us, knowing that the world is going to hate us, but we can find joy and rejoicing in Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Can I ask you today, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? But for Christians, are you bold to preach the gospel? Are you excited about the opportunity to preach the gospel despite the, what the world does around us? My friend, there's no other way to get to heaven. And if we truly love those in our life, we would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. As the pianist plays, I'd like for you to consider, consider your own heart, your own life. Consider your relationship with God and your testimony 